So let's start. The topic is Jesus, the Lord chooses you. Say yes. Yeah, I don't you move over. Yeah, I don't want to move over. When blessing, what a blessing indeed, indeed it is to be able to view modern movie presentations of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Will Lenny close the door, please? The series called Chosen with Jonathan Rumi as principal actor acting as Jesus has touched many lives, young as well as old. The series has a title chosen specifically for the reason that Jesus chooses the apostles one at a time to be his followers. He'll eventually choose 12 to be his original group of apostles, friends and followers. Each one of the 12 have an individual and personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Most of them are very simple men. In fact, a group of them are simple, hard-walking, not very well-educated or cultured fishermen on Lake Galilee. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They definitely would not have won any Academy Awards in Scientific Discoveries. Literary masterpieces. No intellectual achievements. They were simple, hard-working, down-to-earth men and workers, but Jesus called them to be his followers. God's plans are not our plans. His way of thinking is usually very different from our ways of thinking. These men, once transformed by the Holy Spirit, will end up by transforming the world. And all of them except one will die as a martyr, shedding their blood for belief and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, Jesus looks into your eyes and peers into your heart where you are right now. What he said to the apostles, he says right now to you, follow me. If you follow me, then you will be the modern fishers of men and will have a place reserved for you in heaven. Are you ready and willing to accept the call that Jesus launches for you? You'd be willing to get in the boat and to drop the nets for an abundant catch of fish? The Lord Jesus respects your freedom and is waiting for your response. He never coerces nor forces, but gently awaits for our free response. What will it be? The following will be questions to respond to so as to get to know Jesus better, love him more ardently, and to follow him more generously. Let's get to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. First question, the name of Jesus. Where do we find the name of Jesus and what does the name mean? You put it, put the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of St. Luke. The Archangel Gabriel announces the name to Mary that her son's name is Jesus and it means Savior. So right down that his name means Savior. And to save us of our sins and Save us from slavery to the devil. Okay, meeting him, number two. Where is one place that we can meet Jesus and get to know him better? Well, as Catholics, the best place to meet him would be right down in the tabernacle. In the tabernacle. 
the tabernacle and the church, then the tabernacle you have what is called the ciborium. In the ciborium, you have the consecrated hosts. And how do we know where the tabernacle is? There's always going to be a red light, a red burning candle, which is lighted almost the whole year, except Good Friday when Jesus dies. And Holy Saturday, those two days, we, we blow it out because Jesus is dead. And you see the tabernacle door open and there's nothing in it because Jesus is he's in the, he's in the tomb of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday morning. But aside from that, the red candle should be burning bright. Okay? So, in the tabernacle, it's a good idea uh, to make visits to the Blessed Sacrament. I think one of the first short poems I learned, I was seven years old, my mom taught it. And it goes like this. Whenever I see a church... I stop to make a visit so that when I die, the Lord will not say, who is it? Amen? <laughs> like that? Whenever I see a church, I stop to make a visit so that when I die, the Lord will not say, who is it? No. Make sure that you get in the habit of visiting the Lord so that when you die, He's not going to say, I don't recognize you. Who are you? Is your name Jessica? Is your name Joanna? Is your name Diana? I don't really kind of recognize you. No. He never came to visit me, so we get in the habit of uh, visiting the Lord. Right, Grace? Yeah, you've got to visit him. And we got, you know when this church door is open every morning? 4.30. 4.30 to about 8.30. Tonight is going to be open the whole night. People can come in for adoration the whole night. What a privilege. How many churches have the doors open? 4.30 to 8.30. That's a very rare commodity, so take advantage of it, yeah. Visit the Lord. Greet Him. Make a spiritual communion. Open up your hearts. Talk to Him. He's waiting for you. You know what He said? He said in Matthew chapter eleven twenty-eight, "Come to Me, all of you are weary, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, because I'm meek and humble of heart. For you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and My burden is light." Matthew eleven twenty-eight to thirty. One of my favorite verses. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Find life burdensome. I'll give you rest. Find rest from the sacred heart of Jesus. Next question. Let's go through some names for Christ. We've already talked about this, but I want us to get to know these names better for Christ. And with these names, you'll be able to enter into a, a deeper friendship with him. You really can't love someone you don't know. Let me get to know who Christ is. You're getting some of these Christological names. Okay, so the first name, write down, would be, write down the word Christ. We've often heard Jesus connected with the word Christ. And Christ, Christ is actually, it comes from Greek. Maybe you know that the Bible was first written in Greek, and Aramaic, and then it was translated into Latin, and then the language that we speak. The Christ, maybe put next to it, means anointed one. So when a king was going to be a king for the Jewish people, he would be anointed by oil. You see in the case of David by, by the uh, prophet Samuel. So Christ means the anointed one. Here's a question. Were you ever anointed? Or will you be anointed? Good question, right? Were you ever anointed or will you be anointed? I'll tell you, I was anointed already four times. Huh? How about that? You're not going to go beyond that unless you become a bishop. huh? Hmm? Have you ever gone to a baptism? Aside from your own? You know, as a priest, he takes oil and he anoints the chest. That's an exorcism. Did you know that? Uh, there's a minor exorcism every time you baptize. Then after the baby's baptized, he's anointed with holy chrism. And he's proclaimed to be priest, prophet, and king. You're going to be confirmed. 
Do you know the gesture, the most important gesture for your confirmation? The bishop is going to come. You're going to see your name tag of the saint that you're going to choose. By now, you should be already thinking about the saint you're going to choose for your confirmation name. Okay, you can keep your own name, but I would, I would choose another name so you have another saint in heaven to help you out. Okay? And then, you see, okay, Guadalupe, Juan, okay, Padre Pio, Teresa. And you're going to take, you're going to be a frask of oil called chrism. He's going to place his finger in that. He's going to say, Diana, be sealed with the Holy Spirit right in your forehead. And you'll say, Amen. Peace with you and also with you. And you'll be confirmed with that gesture. That's how the sacrament is communicated, by anointing of your head with holy chrism. And that moment, an abundance of the Holy Spirit is going to descend upon you. And the, the better you're disposed, the more abundant the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So that would be your actually your third anointing. And as a priest, we are anointed also. So I was anointed by John Paul II. What a blessing, huh? So, the word Christ means anointed. That anointing is usually refers to the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first. Second name, right down next to Christ, would be two short words. Good Shepherd. Write that down. Good Shepherd. That'd be the second line. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And we are the sheep of his flock. Jesus is the Good Shepherd and we're the sheep of his flock. Third line. Write down, Jesus said, bread of life. Bread of life refers to Holy Communion. Bread of life. Fourth line. Jesus is our teacher. Jesus is the greatest teacher. Can any of you mention any word that Jesus said in the Bible? The other day in the class with your parents, I went through the whole Gospel of St. John. I told them it was in every one of the chapters in St. John by memory. How about that? If you ask me any chapter of St. John, I'll tell you what's in it. Okay? Want to try? Okay, John chapter 11. Jesus, one of his best friends, dies. His name is Lazarus. He goes to the tomb. Mary and Martha, they're crying. They say, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. And the shortest passage in the Bible, subject and predicate, if you know your English grammar well, Jesus cried. He said, remove the stone. Lazarus, come out! This man who was dead for four days comes out of the tomb. John chapter 11. Wouldn't it be great if some Catholics would get to know the Bible, not just the Protestants. The Catholics would get to know the Bible. And I'll beat the Protestants. They ask me, I'll beat them. Well, I'll beat them in a Bible contest, no? So, I wonder if anyone here would could tell me anything that's in the Gospels, the four Gospels. It's the most famous book in the world. Jessica? Okay, he said, do not be afraid, and many times, right? Mm -hmm. What were the, what were the, I taught you about the, the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. Remember those? My God, he, he said, first thing he said was, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing, right? Then he said, they thirst. And he said, Father, why have you abandoned me? And he said to his mother, Woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. And he said to the good thief, Amen, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
Then he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he said, it is finished. See, you have a memory, but see how, about, how I've cultivated my memory? It's like an archives up here, Ar- archivos in Spanish, no? Because I cultivate my memory. You got a memory too. Most people say when they're late 60s, their memory starts to fall apart. I think mine's, mine's getting better. Do you know something? Some verse? First? Those, those seven last words? Yeah. Good. So, we want to get to know who Christ is and also some of his words. So, you get your Bible, you read it, and you get to know the actions of Jesus, but also his words. His words are life and truth. Alright, so let's move on to the, uh, this would be the fourth? The fifth. Okay, okay Jesus is the divine physician. He's the divine physician. And he's, he heals. He heals both body and soul. Six, Jesus is, let me give you a little bit of Greek. He's the Alpha and the Omega. How about that? He's the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. Okay, the next, Jesus is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Write that in one line. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And they write down, Jesus is the Son of God. Alright, and finally, Jesus is our best friend. He's our best friend. Those are ten different titles for Jesus that you can find in the Gospel. He's our best friend. So let's move on to the purpose of his coming. So right down he came to open up the gates of heaven. Write that in there. Came to open up the gates of heaven. So when Adam and Eve committed the first sin called the original sin, the gates of heaven were closed for thousands of years. So when Jesus came, he suffered, died, and when he rose from the dead, you can see the gates of heaven being opened and we can go to heaven. So from that time, no one could go to heaven. The good people had to go to a place of waiting, but no one could go to heaven. Until 2,000 years, he, he came, lived 33 years, suffered on the cross, was crucified, shed his blood, he was buried for those three days, and when he rose from the dead, the gates of heaven were open. So we can go to heaven. And that's uh, <laughs> something that's very important. You know, I want to go to heaven... I had a lake wine garden, but I didn't want to live here forever, I tell you. You probably don't either, huh? <laughs> I like wine garden, been here uh, for many years, but I don't want to be here for all eternity. No, I'm gonna <laughs> I want to go to heaven, no? And uh, that's why we're here. And that's why we're here for confirmation to help us. Confirmation will help us to get to heaven. By receiving this sacrament, it'll be so to speak, wind in our sails so we can cross the difficult storms of life to, to the heavenly shore, if you like a literary image, okay? Yeah, that's... 
it's try like sailing in a sailing in the sea there without without any wind in your sails. I mean, you can start to row, but it's easier to have the wind in your sails because the wind does all the work. If you know anything about sailing. <laughs> All right, so, the Gospels. The Gospels. Hello, Ophelia. Sure. Let's see if we can grab onto this Bible here. Oops. Okay, the Gospels, uh, all, of you sh- all of you should have, uh, you should all have a Bible. This is probably the best Bible for you to get. Okay, it's it's not the best translation, but none of you are biblical scholars yet, I don't think. No? This is probably the best for you to get. If you really want the, the best translation, is called the it's called the the Bible of Jerusalem. It'd probably be the best translation because you know these books are translated from the original language, and but this is pretty good English. Now, most of your parents speak Spanish, right? And they probably have a Bible in Spanish, but the Bible that they have is probably a really bad translation. It's called America Latina. Let me see. This is America Latina. The translation is pretty poor. So, you might tell your parents they want to get a new Bible because their, their first language might be Spanish, probably is for your parents. Uh, Puebla de Dios is very good. Where you understand Spanish, Biblia de Jerusalén. Many of your parents, they probably prefer speaking Spanish. But for you, this is, uh, this is a pretty good translation. Now, how would you know, how would you know that it's a, a Catholic Bible? Catholic Bible, you're going to have what's called an imprimatur, and you're going to have the name of a bishop on it, Catholic bishop. This one you're going to know because not only do you have the name of a Catholic bishop, but you have a list of the popes. Do you know how many popes we've had uh, from the first pope, St. Peter, until the present pope, Francis? Okay, up to John, JP2, 264. Okay, but after him we had Pope Benedict... Who just died? You probably, you know, he died. He died about a week ago. That was 265. So now we got Pope Francis. So there have been 266 popes okay, in the past 2,000 years. So if you have a Bible that has the popes, it's not going to be a Protestant Bible. It's going to be a Catholic Bible. Okay? Because Protestants don't, they don't believe in the they don't believe in the pope. So here you have the beginning of this Bible. You have all the way up to John Paul II. So we, that means we've had this Bible, let's see, when did he die? 2005, okay, so 2005, two, 2000, is that 17 years? I'm not too good at math. I think it's 17 years, right? No, 2023, 18 years. So we've had this Bible for 18 years, okay? So um, make sure that you, 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 get your, you get your own Bible. And if you're a bilingual, get one in Spanish too. Spanish and English. But it shouldn't be simply a Christmas decoration. Read it. There's a saying that goes, he who is a Bible that's falling apart will probably not have his life falling apart. Okay? Kind of like that. No? <laughs> so read. You, you know, you read it uh, a chapter a day of the Gospels. In three months, you'll have all the Gospels read. So let's write down the... Uh, the word gospel means good news. And what are the four gospels? Let's, I'll, I'll give you the initials. Four gospels are MT, which stands for? Good. Matthew, and then you've got MK, Mark, and you've got LK, Luke, and then J-N? Good. Now let's write next to them, let's write the number of chapters.
remember one occasion I gave the Bible to all the confirmation students and I said, whoever can find Mark 18 verse 10, I will give, I pulled out $20. I don't have that much money, but I was going to $20, whoever can find Mark 18 10 first. They're all going really fast. What happened was, they arrived at Mark 16 and then it was Luke 1. There's no Mark 18, there's only 16 chapters. I'm not going to give my money away to you guys. They fell, got that? They fell right in my trap. I proved your, your biblical illiteracy. <laughs> I proved them their biblical illiteracy. If you knew how many chapters, Father, you said Mark 18, there's only 16 chapters. So let's get to know the number of the chapters and we'll get to know the content. So Matthew has 28 Mark has 16. Luke has 24. And John has 21. So, if you read a chapter a day, for three months, you will have read all the Gospels in about three months. So you do that, you read a chapter every day this year, you will have read the four Gospels, about four times. So at the end of this year, I mean, if you have a modicum of intelligence, so to speak, I mean, you have a normal intelligence, you should know the life of Christ pretty well. I mean, reading it four times. Okay, Matthew chapter 1 is a toughie because you've got a long genealogy of these names in Hebrew. Okay, you can move through that quickly. But aside from that, I find Mark to be probably the e easiest. And Mark moves at a very quick pace. You've got episode after episode after episode, short episodes in the Gospel of Mark. And it's the shortest. It's only 16. It's only about the half of Matthew. Okay, so there we have the, uh, the Gospels and the chapters. As Catholics, where is a very prominent place that we can find the Lord Jesus Christ? In many places, but write this. In the holy sacrifice of the Mass. In the holy sacrifice of the Mass. I would assert the following. Okay, when I was your age, 80% of the Catholics went to church on Sunday and 20% did not go. Now you've got 80% that don't go and 20% that go. So in a matter of two and a half generations, it's topsy-turvy. I find that be very interesting. I'm sad. It's sad, no? So, two generations. When I was your age, I don't remember any of my Catholic friends that didn't go to Mass on Sunday. I remember any. We all went to Mass on Sunday. Now, yeah, maybe, okay, here you go. No, 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 yes, yes. So, out of ten, you only have about two. And if you walk down the streets of Wine Guards and knock on the doors, they're almost all Catholics. You're going to say, do you go to Mass on Sunday? Eh, sometimes. Go to Mass, ah, Easter. Go to Mass, ah, Lady Guadalupe. Ah, Las Cenis, is Ash Wednesday. Ah, and then you meet one of the ninth, yeah, we go to Mass on Sunday. We go to Mass on Sunday. And I think one of the things you want to try to do, try to bring, try to bring someone back to the church. You probably have a cousin, maybe an aunt or an uncle that doesn't go to church. Try to bring them back. Got an idea? Okay. Your birthday. And maybe your uncle Nick. No, some of your some of your relatives that maybe I had had I had you know his her uncle in my class twenty years ago probably. Maybe he's no longer going to church. I I got the same teacher you had in confirmation twenty years ago, and he mentioned you in class. You know, for my birthday, I want you to go to mass on Sunday and greet your old teacher. 
Maybe I'll do it. Good New Year's proposal, huh? Maybe through that invitation, maybe through that invitation, hey, your uncle will come back to church, go to confession, and maybe he'll become your godfather. Who knows? No? If we never, if we never invite anyone, to, I mean, you got, you got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Right? You can just say, no, I don't want to go anymore. Well, at least you tried. But some will come. Some will not come because they're afraid to, maybe afraid of being rejected. Well, that's a humiliation, a little slap in the face, but we have to be willing to suffer rejection for Christ. Maybe, you're, maybe some of your fathers don't go to church. Well, maybe your grandfather doesn't go to church. Pray for them. Invite them to come back. Don't celebrate your, your grandfather's 50th anniversary the other day. I know him really well. Way before you were born. Oh, somebody's viejos amigos, no? <laughs> we had his grandfather what, about two months ago. It was the 50th anniversary, right? That was kind of cool, no? 50 years, no? So we, we want to bring people back to church. And to encourage you, St. James chapter 5 says, whoever brings someone back to church saves his soul and expiates a multitude of sins. Wow. I like that promise, don't you? Whoever brings him back to church saves his soul and expiates a multitude of sins. I mean, you're going to get to heaven and less time in purgatory. Yeah. That purgatory, that's no joke. Fire burning away all those ugly things that, that we died with. We want to make sure that we get to heaven as soon as possible, right? Okay. So, the most prominent place where we can find Jesus is in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. I honestly think the reason, principal reason why people leave the church is they don't understand Mass. They really understood what Mass is, what Holy Communion is, they wouldn't leave. You know, most Jehovah Witnesses, they used to be Catholics. No. Most Mormons, most Mormons, they used to be Catholics. That, got, that says something. Most Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, they're ex-Catholics. You know what they say? Well, we finally found the true church. Truth, the true church. I'm a Jehovah Witness. I found the true church. That's what they say. But we know that the fullness of the truth is in this church. We've got the real thing. we got the real deal. In Mass and Holy Communion. So if you're, if you're going to be confirmed, part of being confirmed is that you want to bring people to Christ. You want to bring people to Christ? If you love Christ, you should love what Christ loves, the salvation of souls. Yeah. I repeat, if you love Christ, you should love what he loves, the salvation of souls. Pray, fast, and invite Invite people to come. Who knows, once they come back, then they get recognized that true happiness can only be found by our union with Christ. You know, the, 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 uh, the, the Beatles, the, the Beatles used to sing, you know, a lot of songs, Money Can't Buy Me Love. You know? In a certain sense, that's true. That's one of the famous... Songs of the Beatles of the 60s. No? Money can't buy me love. True love comes from God. True happiness only comes from God. You know, you can buy pleasure, but you can't buy happiness. Happiness is something that comes from God. Okay, let's move on now. Families. Let's see if we can name the three perfect families that exist. This is my own theological creation, my own creative mind. Put them together. The first would be, right down, the Holy Family. The Holy Family would be Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. This student came a little bit late, Irma. Okay. <laughs> ah, she's the secretary. Okay. So, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph...
that would be what a perfect family. The perfect father, the perfect mother, and the perfect son. Another perfect family? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Who's that? That's the Blessed Trinity. The Trinity is a family. John Paul II defines a family as a community of love. Like that? I like that. Community comes from Latin communion, union with. Okay? You're uniting with love. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And the mutual love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. So that's a perfect family. And the the third family, this is going to encourage you a lot, the third family is where we're all heading. We're all heading toward that perfect family one day. Hopefully we're going to make it. And that is the perfect family is heaven. Heaven is a family. Now, interesting, if you talk about heaven, you have the other two families there too. Because you've got the, you know, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they're in heaven, right? The Blessed Trinity is in heaven. But in heaven, there's, there's someone else. And that would be the angels and the saints. That's our ultimate destiny is to get to heaven. That's where we're all heading. Hopefully we're on the right path. Okay? We, want to, we all want to make it to heaven. And a really good prayer you should try to say every day is, Lord, help me to get to heaven. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. Help me to get to heaven. Help my parents to get to heaven. Help my brothers to get to heaven. Help my sisters to get to heaven. That's a, that's a very, very pleasing prayer. Well, you might say, well, I'm not going to pray, help my brothers to get to heaven because I don't have any brothers. Okay, okay I got you. Well, true, well, then ask that your sisters will get to heaven. And your grandmother will get to heaven. And your uncle will get to heaven. And even this... That your, that your enemies will get to heaven. Oh, you didn't like that one, did you? No. <laughs> is this the type of prayer you, you say, Lord, I pray that my enemies will go to heaven, but they're as far away from me as possible. Uh, that's, uh, that shows that you really haven't forgiven your enemy, right? Well, we should pray for enemies and forgive them, because that's what Jesus taught us from the cross. Okay, then the next... So those are the three perfect families. Got that? The public life of Jesus. How long did the public life of Jesus last? The public life of Jesus lasted three, three, three days? Okay, three years. Three years, from when he's 30 to 33. 30 to 33. Now, the activities. Now, in these short years of Jesus' public life, let's name the three principal activities that Jesus carried out before his passion and death on the cross. What would be his three primary activities? So the first would be, Jesus says, letter A, B, Jesus has teacher, has teacher. Okay, let me, let me show you where you can see the abundant teaching of Jesus. So letter A would be t- as teacher, and you can find it you can find his teaching in Matthew, especially Matthew 7, 8, and 9. Of all the teachings of Jesus, this is probably the most famous. And that is called, that is called the 
sermon. Any of you know? Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. It's probably the most famous block of teaching in those three chapters. And you're going to be reading certain things there that are radically different from the Old Testament. Jesus will go on to say, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, when someone smacks you on the cheek, turn the other. Someone asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles. Someone, someone asks for your cloak, give him your shirt as well. Wow. Then he says this, You've heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks at a woman in his eyes and lusts in his heart has already committed adultery. Wow. So it's not simply the physical act of adultery, but even the eyes, the mind, and the heart. Pretty pretty challenging, huh? Then he goes on to say, <laughs> buckle your seatbelts. If your eye is an occasion of sin, pluck it out. Better to enter into heaven with one eye than to be cast into Gehenna, which is an image of hell, with both eyes. If your hand is an occasion of sin, cut it off. Better to enter into heaven with one hand than to be cast into hellfire with both hands. If your foot is an occasion of sin, cut it off. Better to enter in maimed into heaven than to be cast into hell. Very, very challenging, isn't it? If you don't believe me, open up your, find your Bible today and read Matthew 6, 7, and 8. For that reason, we cannot, we cannot live out the gospel without God's help. Without God's grace. That's why we pray, we go to confession, we say the rosary, we go to Mass as often as possible so that God will give us the, the power, the grace to be able to live out these demanding commands of the Lord. Not easy. But everything is possible with God. And it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're open to God's grace, you can become a saint. No matter how old you are, if you know, you're 14, 15, you can become a saint right now. You can become a saint when you're a teenager, you can be a saint when you're 95 years old. No? God is always knocking at the door of your heart. And you have to open up the door of our heart. I don't know if any of you like uh, classical art. There's a there's an artist that painted a Revelation chapter three, which is Jesus knocking at the door as a good shepherd. And the artist painted Jesus standing outside the door with a staff and a lantern, but the door didn't have any doorknob on. And one man came up to the artists and said, I mean, you're, you're a pretty good painter, but you're lacking common sense. How on earth are you going to have a door without a doorknob? And the painter, Holman Hunt, defended himself. He said, there is a doorknob, but it's from within. It's from within. So you have to open up the door from within so Jesus can come in and dine with you and you dine with him. He's knocking at the door of your heart. You have to open up. He's not going to knock the door down with a, with, with a pickaxe. You have to open it up. Open up your heart from within. So he's knocking at your door right now. Make sure that you open up that door. He can come in right now. Amen? All right. So the first would be Jesus as teacher. Jesus as teacher. Letter B would be Jesus... Working miracles. He works miracles. And 
And there are two types of miracles. Miracles, miracles of healing and miracles over nature. Miracles of healing would be Jesus would touch a leper. This guy that was filled with all these, these ugly ulcers. He would touch a person with leprosy and boom! Heal just like that. He would, gospel today, he heals a paralytic. This guy couldn't walk. He says, get up and walk. And the guy gets off his stretcher and he starts to walk around. So those are miracles of healing. But then there's miracles of over nature. One would be, Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus walked on the waters. Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus multiplied, multiplied the loaves and the fish. Alright, so that would be the, the letter B. Letter C would be, you're going to love this baby, exorcisms. Write that down, exorcism. Letter C, exorcism. Either Jesus would cast out devils. Would you ever like to see an exorcism? You have a priest casting out devil from a person. You know, people are sometimes possessed by the devil. And you know who has the power to, to do exorcisms? His power is the priest. Like if all of your fathers were to come here, and there was a person possessed by the devil, and I came, and I was just dressed in sweats, that, that person, the person possessed would know that I'm the priest. Oh yeah. The devil picks up the priest right away. Because we have holy orders, and holy order gives us power. So I have these lay people that are trying to do healing ministry and they're trying to cast out the evil spirit they're not even priests I think they're they're in danger so I I as a priest I have the power to exercise but I can't do it yet you know why because the bishop hasn't asked me the bishop would have to delegate me then I have to go through a course of preparation to learn how to do an exorcism I know more or less how they do it no? there's called a rite and there's certain prayers and uh, certain, not that I'm, not that I'm looking forward to doing that, but a priest has the power through holy orders to do exorcisms. No? Yeah. What's more powerful? <laughs> What's more powerful, an exorcism or a good confession? Grace. Yeah, actually, a good confession is much more powerful. The exorcism is much more dramatic because you have the person yelling, you got the foam coming out of the mouth, and maybe you know, floating in the air. And <laughs> maybe, maybe you saw the film The Exorcist, right? I mean, it's much more dramatic, no? <laughs> but technically, a good confession is more powerful because an exorcism is a sacramental, whereas confession is a sacrament. So, exorcism would be like minor league baseball. Uh, confession is the Dodgers against the Yankees in the World Series, 2023. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> and all of you are clandestine Yankee fans, right? No? Yes? Um, have you ever seen exorcism in real life? No, I, I haven't seen it in, in real life uh, because I haven't, been, I haven't been called to do it. But the bishop would have to call a specific priest and uh, then there's a certain rite and sometimes it, it takes five, six, seven, ten different sessions. Sometimes the devil doesn't come out right away. It takes, it takes yes, many sessions. Have you, have you ever read the book, The Exorcist? A good book by... Gabriel Demorth, and there's a good movie, The Exorcist. Exorcist. I wouldn't. I would suggest you don't see it because it's scary. 
it's scary. There's another one that came out called The Right. Another one, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. These are movies that came out in the past few years. Exorcism of Emily Rose came out about 10 years ago. And The Right, which I saw, came out about maybe about eight years ago. Pretty well done. No? But The Exorcism, I wouldn't see it. You, you probably won't sleep that night. It's kind of scary. No? You probably want to you know, get, get, get your teddy bear, your Osita, and sleep with mommy and daddy. You know? Maybe your regret, your abuelita. You know? It's scary, it is. I saw it in Argentina in 1986. I mean, it scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> it, it scared me. You know? But it's based, it's based on a real story. The little girl is 12, Reagan, and it was really a boy, so they changed the names and some of the details. But it was, it was really well done. The chief exorcist of Rome, Gabriel de Mora, said it's really well done. Yes? An exorcist? Yeah. Possessed? Yeah, possess. You want to know? Are you sure? Yeah. You don't want to know, do you? You, you, you want to sleep tonight, right? You want to know? Yeah. I'll tell you. In that, in, the, in that book, the book, The Exorcist, explains three different reasons. Uh, one, is gonna, one is probably obvious. The other two will probably really shock you. And you have to tell your parents. Uh, you have to tell your parents what I'm telling you. The first is if you're playing around with the occult. You go to the psychic readers. You, you, get, you, you play the Ouija board. You ever hear the Ouija board? No? You play around with a Ouija board. Not to, not to say that it's always going to happen, but that movie, Exorcism, starts with a little girl. She's playing with a Ouija board, and then the devil gets into her. So, you know, if you have a Ouija board, <laughs> get rid of it and maybe get the priest to bless your house. Because that can bring bad spirits. There is a haunted house. The devil gets into your house. Yeah. yeah. The second would be, are you ready? When parents curse their children, it's scary. And your parents might do that at times. They get really angry. You know? Maybe tell your parents tonight. My father Broom said, so when you get angry, you know, calm down. You know? Not to say that it happens always, but your parents cursing your children, that's, that's serious. Really. That's serious. Uh, I remember my, my mom would bless us. My mom blessed us with holy water. We're never called to curse anyone. We're called to bless, not to curse. Every time I finish Mass, especially the Spanish Mass, afterwards, a line of people, Father, give me a blessing. Give me, and I just gave the person a blessing at the end of the Mass. <laughs> they want another blessing. Okay, fine. They want, they want the, the blessing of the priest. I give it. So make sure you, you never, some of you are going to be mothers and fathers one day. Don't, never curse your kids. For example, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're pregnant. I, I can bless the baby within your womb. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Ladies come up to me. You know, a couple of women now that are about to have babies and father... Bless my baby, yeah. And there's even, you know, there's even a, a ritual, a, a beautiful blessing for a woman who's pregnant. You got the Our Father, Hail Mary, you're praying to the Blessed Mother. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful blessing. So those are the two principal causes. The third is, it's a trial. God can allow it even among good people. And there was a convent of nuns, the Ursuline nuns, about 250 years. They were possessed to be victim souls, to suffer for the salvation of sinners. But don't play around with the occult. You know, you, a lot of the high schools, you've got gothic groups, there are groups that are dedicated to Satan, and you're playing with the evil spirit. You're playing with the evil spirit. Uh, don't play around with fire, you're going to get burnt. You're thinking, well, the Ouija board, I mean, it's just a little bit of fun. We can just invoke some of the bad spirits. You're opening up your door to the devil. Yeah. 
And there could be a haunted house. Why? Because what is a haunted house is that there could be a devil in the house. So if you if you ever move from one house to the other, get the house blessed. Because if for that house, they practice sorcery, black magic. Maybe there was a suicide where someone, you know, he shot himself in the head. That happens today. Or maybe a satanic ritual. The satanic ritual is done today, sad to say. The bad spirit can remain in the home. Yes. Yeah, the devil exists. I mean, Jesus cast out devils. That was three of his activities were were preaching, doing miracles, and casting out devils. So that you're able to sleep tonight. I mean, I I don't want you to you know search for your teddy bear and is that the devil does exist, but who's more powerful, God or the devil? Who's more powerful, the Blessed Mother or the Devil? Who's more powerful, your guardian angel or the Devil? So, Jesus, Mary, and the your guardian is much more powerful than the Devil. But if you're playing around with the Devil, and you don't have God on your side, he's going he's to win the arm wrestle. He's going to win the arm wrestle. Also, a very powerful remedy is you should all be wearing your scapulars. Deanna, you got your scapulars. You have your scapulars. You wear your scapulars. You're protected. Don't take it off. We gave it to you. Right, Belinda? It's so often you take, you take, we give you a scapular, you wear it for a week, and you take it off, and then you get more tempted. That's Mary's, that's Mary's, Mary's shield. You can be protected from a lot of attacks from death if you wear that scapula. You ought to wear it as soon as you get up in the morning, consecrate yourself to Mary, kiss the scapula, and Mary is embracing you against the attacks of the evil one. Yes? Yeah, we can get another one. Uh, what, what, what I would, uh, I would really suggest is, is the following. Oops. Is, uh, here is a here's a scapular that I, I wear and what I do is I wear a strong scapular because I'm very athletic, okay? And in my years when I was your age I played many sports, I'm very athletic and I have a tendency to rip to break things. So my mother made this, no? She knows who I am. You know the uh, I'm one of those the rough boys in town, no? And feel this, Diana. What do you feel? I got the metal. I got the miraculous metal. So I got the medal of Saint Benedict, which is a powerful medal against the devil, and I got the miraculous medal. So I wear my scapular. I've got the medal. I got the rose in my pocket. I'm prepared for warfare. I got my garment on. No? I got my soldier suit on. No? So I would... Do any of you know, your mothers know how to sew? I mean, uh, your, your, your mothers are young, but... Oh, I don't know if you... My parents, back then, they every woman knew how to sew. You're going to get married. Otherwise, the, the guy wouldn't marry her. No? <laughs> really? <laughs> how to sew and cook and to, and to clean, huh? You know, girl, you should learn how to you should learn how to do that domestic art. No, learning how to sew. My mom sewed this. These two squares. This is a this is a tennis shoelace. I mean, it's not aesthetically, artistically beautiful, but it's very pragmatic. It's not going to break. Otherwise, one like this is going to fall apart in six months. No, no, it will. I mean, you, you play sports too, right? It's going to fall apart in six months. I would get your mom, Asusena, get, get someone to make, or maybe you can learn yourself to make your own scapular. You've been with me. We've given uh, probably 10,000 scapulars in our consecrations, right? So this is a good, this is good arm against the devil. Yeah. And then you kiss it in the morning. Then I, I bless my forehead, my eyes, my lips, my tongue because they talk a lot. Then I, afterward, I bless my heart. Amen.
All right, so let's say a Hail Mary that Mary would protect us and watch over us. And Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord be with you. Amen. God bless you, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Father. Everybody, thank you, Father. 